0: program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertiser's staff and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Yeah, and to think I used to be a liberal too.
0: Roughly 300 people that were there to celebrate the end of Roe versus Wade, obviously very peaceful celebration. Well, the bottom line comes from the Bible. We are to have no fellowship with darkness. I didn't agree with teachers or anybody for that matter, teaching my children that they didn't have the same opportunities as other children, simply based on the color of their skin. The books today that you're talking about, they're just much more militant, and they're targeting even younger children.
1: When we are counting ourselves as believers, that we need to count the cost of being a follower of Jesus. Yeah, and to think I used to be a liberal too this is Mission America with Linda Harvey because with God all things all things all things are still, still possible good afternoon friends and welcome to Mission America radio i'm linda harvey and i'm so very glad you joined us this afternoon please visit our website at missionamerica.com that's missionamerica.com For more information about our organization and to read news articles and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to listen to our four-minute commentaries right here on the Word Columbus on Tuesdays and Thursdays just after 4 p.m. And also be sure to check out all our resources for parents who want to be watchful about the culture's influence on your kids. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. Have you ever wondered specifically how to spot a child predator? Well, our guest today is a law enforcement professional who has a long history of investigating and bringing to conviction people guilty of sex crimes against children. Patrick Crow has 40 years of law enforcement experience previously in the Rochester, New York area, and now in Florida. His impressive resume would take our entire program, but he has served on many special task forces and regularly does training on interrogation techniques. We're going to have Patrick as our guest for two shows, this one on child predators and a future show on his work in bringing sex traffickers to justice. He is also a committed Christian, and the author of several books, and the one pertinent to today's show is Seducers Among Our Children, How to Protect Your Child from Sex Pre- Sexual Predators, and it's published by Lighthouse Trails Publishing. Welcome to Mission America Radio, Patrick. Thank you, Linda. It's great to be here. Well, um, let me start out by just uh, saying that you have a wealth of experience in a whole range of areas, and you did not set out to enter the field of apprehending child sex predators, necessarily. So tell us how you ended up doing this for a period of time in New York State.
0: Well, um, like most police officers, I started out in uniform and uh, did the uniform responding to calls thing in the car. And... uh... About five years uh, of service as a uniform uh, deputy sheriff with the Monroe County Sheriff's Office, I then uh, was recruited to uh, go into the detective bureau. Um, and uh, in 1987, and I never looked back. And I was pretty much went through the process of what we would call an apprenticeship, and ultimately landed in the uh, Major Crime Special Victims Homicide Unit and served there for 20 years.
1: And I can only capsulize this in a very quick comment, but that must have been one of the most disturbing things that any police officer can cover. Can you just quickly summarize how you feel about that?
0: Yes, it's it's a job that nobody should have to do but needs to be done and um you know i looked upon it as the lord's hand on me is kind of steering me that way and for whatever reason i seem to adjust to it and what you see is the awful side of uh, the human behavior uh acts of violence against one another um many times are for no rhyme or reason it's just evil and especially when you're talking about the exploitation and abuse of children. Yes,
1: in your book, which is a fascinating uh, book, where you give lots of case histories and uh, just so much, uh, so much great information for parents and anyone who's interested in this topic. You talked about um, in various ways. You have talked about the profile of the child molester, the predator, and while some of it fits the usual narrative of the person who was abused as a child many times that did not um, that did not uh, fit what you were seeing. that was a kind of a surprise to me, so tell me more about that sure the
0: you know everybody understands the term child molester um, and a child molester basically is a person who uh, offends a child sexually. And then we have what we call the pedophile. And the pedophile is an individual that actually targets children and is sexually attracted to children. Um, So a molester doesn't necessarily have to be a pedophile. The molester is somebody who just sexually offended a child. And they can be anything on the spectrum of sexual deviants. They basically go after the vulnerable, and the children fit that. A pedophile is somebody that actually seeks out children and is attracted to children. And many times they live in the shadows, and they never really expect... Themselves, The child predator is when a child pedophile steps out of the uh, shadows and begins to act on those very much, uh, I would say, uh, down and dirty attractions of a child and want to start acting out and basically abusing a child sexually. That's the child predator, the pedophile that steps out and starts to begin a diabolical process of trying to locate a child of their liking and then to sexually
1: molest them. Well, one uh, passage in your book was especially moving about how the Holy Spirit has guided your interrogations of suspected child molesters. Give us an example of how that happened.
0: You know, we have a saying when detectives who work violent crime or homicide or basically we're truth seekers. You know, I, I, I have a saying that I go by, you know, we confront evil and we pursue truth. And the saying is we work for God because God is truth. So you're always looking for the truth. And many of the times the truth isn't always obvious. And when, you, especially in the area of child exploitation and molestation and the abuse and the violence against children, you really are depending on, I would say, the Holy Spirit truly influences many of us despite ourselves. Uh, in other words, a lot of police officers probably don't even realize it. But I know, based on my Christian faith, that the Holy Spirit does inspire me. And when you tap into that energy or influence or uh, inspiration that he offers us, uh, it does help you start honing in on your skills that you've developed over the years to apply them in, a, in I would say, a much more uh, deliberate way because it is there is a spiritual component to this crime. And so I found when I just would say prayers and pray for the wisdom and the ability to hear and listen and, and discern for the truth, it would help me follow the right path to
1: resolving this crime and getting the truth. Yeah, because you're often dealing with people, uh, almost always, if, when you're down to in, interrogating someone who you suspect has been accused of uh, a child uh, sexual assault or uh, molestation. You're dealing with people who are willing to lie to your face and be very convincing, correct? Yes. the, the, The person that's guilty of this
0: type of crime, you know, as an interrogator, it's not as difficult as people think to get somebody to make a truthful admission about an act of violence against another person because usually you can, what we call, disblame the person, the victim, to help them rationalize why they did what they did, such as a murder or a shooting or an assault. Usually there's some type of grievance between the two parties, many of the times. However, when you're talking about victimizing a child, that rationalization doesn't work because the child has never done anything to entice these people to do what they do, although sometimes they may try to let you believe that uh, it was the child that was luring them, but really that's that's just not a rational way to approach this. So there is this is where I really depend on, I have in the past of really the spirit's guidance of how do I talk to this person, how do I get to know them, how do I develop rapport with them, how do I look to look? them and and based on what they're telling me, and then relate to them in a manner that would be acceptable to to them to tell me this deep, diabolical secret or behavior
1: they've done toward a child. Yes, right. What is the typical family situation, if there is a typical one, or describe how uh, the most vulnerable family and um, parenting and child situations some of the most vulnerable ones that you have seen? Well,
0: frankly, it's parental distraction. And unfortunately, consequently, single parents are targeted by these predators because they know a single parent is strapped. Uh, They're minimal, they have limited resources, they're trying to make a living, they're trying to support the family, and they're also raising children or a child. Um, The predators know that and they know this person, this adult is vulnerable uh, for them to approach them and gain their trust. Uh, But this can happen to, uh, you know, a father-mother scenario as well because as you know today, Times are difficult and a lot of times it's a two income family or the parents are, you know, if they have multiple kids, they're running different directions and, and they're stressed out, you know, between trying to make a living, raise a family, accommodate all the activities that their family has and children have. The predator understands that, and they become a very good student of understanding human nature and what it is to be a parent and raise a child. So they like to infiltrate that through a process, a diabolical process, that gets them in, basically included or, or I would say, involved with that particular family or that single parent so they can gain access to that child. And it's always under the ruse that they're going to help them out, help them with the situation that they're in and help them give them some type of relief or support. And that's usually their way into gaining
1: their trust. And sometimes the uh, uh, live-in boyfriend or stepfather, that can also be a vulnerable situation, correct?
0: Yes. The uh behavior of, it can be a biological father, a stepfather, it can be uh, an older brother. There's a number of... Scenarios within the family unit where this can be detrimental depending on the dynamics of the family. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I don't want to label all stepfathers as potential molesters, but yes, there are certain men that will bring themselves up alongside a single woman and present themselves as a, a good father figure for those children, but for the sole purpose of of, uh, of abusing the child. Yep. Uh, or a or, or biological father, for instance, can have his own fetish and uh, camouflage that. So I don't want to label stepfathers as that, but yes, mm-hmm. that is sometimes, uh, I would say, an, a,
1: an element of this crime. Or the live-in boyfriend. I mean, that's there's so many reasons why that should never happen. Anyway, is, but, yeah.
0: Yes, live-in boyfriends, yeah, that that's not uncommon at all. Mm. Uh, that is, I would saw a very common variable in these scenarios when it comes to a single mother.
1: And so describe the phases of the child predator's campaign to eventually become sexually involved with a child and what parents can look out for.
0: This is the foundation of how a predator works, uh, Linda these phases it's it's basically a diabolical scheme and the first phase as I was just talking about was the trust phase it's it's aligning themselves with the specific parents or the parent if they have to get the parents trust to align themselves to do what they want to do and this can be a coach this can be a favorite teacher this can be a number of individuals that are, that are involved in this child's life but ultimately they have to get the trust of the parent. Once they've gained that, then they can start what I call the courtship phase. The courtship phase runs two ways. It runs both with the parent and with the child, the targeted child. And the courtship toward the parent, like you just said, it could be a boyfriend, it could be uh, a friend of the family, it could be a, a friendly neighbor. They're courting that person to understand that they're there to help them. And then the courtship phase for the child is where they start to gain, uh, I would say, some type of developed a relationship with that child that they're targeting, whether just rapport building with the child. Mm. They're really good in interpersonal communication, but it's a diabolical scheme And that courtship phase then eventually what I would say goes to what we call a seductive phase now. Isolation is the key component here. I want parents to understand. When somebody you trust with your children and yourself begins to want to isolate a child, that's when the seduction phase starts to kick in because they can't seduce that child till they're isolated away from the parents. And that could just be they want to take them on a trip, they want to do outings with them without your involvement. Or could be a coach that wants to keep them after practice to work on a special skill and doesn't really want you there to observe what they're doing the seduction phase then goes into what we call the offensing phase where the actual offense begins to take place and, it's, and again remember they're seducing the child and participating in this action and ultimately goes to what I call the control phase to then maintain that child's silence and ultimately control that child's thoughts and feelings about what is happening to them.
1: And we have been talking with Patrick Crowe, who is the author of Seducers Among Our Children, How to Protect Your Child from Sexual Predators, a Police Investigator's Perspective. He is a law enforcement professional with decades of experience. And part of his background is a wealth of experience in investigating sex crimes against children. So we will return and continue our fascinating conversation with Patrick Crow. Right after these messages, this is Linda Harvey on Mission America Radio. Stay with us. Today's program is pre recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. And we've been talking with Patrick Crowe, who is a law enforcement professional, a detective with many decades of experience. And one of the areas he has experience in is investigating sex crimes against children. He's the author of Seducers Among Our Children, How to Protect Your Child from Sexual Predators. Let's continue with our fascinating conversation as we explore the profile of the different professions that might attract a sexual predator. Let's listen. So tell us about the kinds of people that are um, that you have apprehended as child predators. I mean, it's everybody, but um, all across the board. But why people should be particularly concerned about certain um, roles and professions, uh, possibly? Tell us what you think about that. Tragically, some great professions that
0: really... Uh, depend that we depend on as parents to help our children move through life such as teachers such as coaches such as counselors such as uh, pastors youth pastors and even sometimes physicians pediatric uh, physicians And, and I'm not putting a bad I'm not trying to cast a shadow on any of these professions we need these professions but unfortunately the predator will sometimes very likely put themselves in one of these professions for the simple reason that they like being having access to children and this is their way of gaining access to children becoming getting into one of these professions and frankly a lot of times they're one of the most popular in their profession when it comes and I again I don't want people to walk away thinking that the the popular teacher the popular coach is a pedophile no It's a tragic occurrence against these professions that these pedophiles will be one of these people. Many times the coach that's sought after or the teacher that's sought after, they're popular. And what I want to warn parents from, there's nothing wrong with that. But when that individual wants to isolate your child, that's when the red flag should go up. As long as they're staying in their lane and they're doing what their job demands them to do and requires them to do, that's great. But when one of these people want to start isolating your child away from you and don't want you, does not want your presence, that's when the red flag goes up. And that's what I want parents to watch out for, the isolation component.
1: Right. And, you know, the other thing is that you have, you know, the, the parent who may be very busy and is not regularly dialoguing with their child. Can you give parents some real advice about things they need to be on the watch for all the time as far as um, communications with their child so that they can pick up on something if anything is happening? Great question,
0: and the book addresses this in more detail. We have to listen to our children. We have to communicate. We have to take time to get into their heads a little bit every day. This is. Think about what the shepherd does with his with his flock. He's tuning into every one of those to make sure that the parasites are off that animal, to make sure that the animal's healthy. It's getting the nutrients. We have to do the same thing with our children, and it goes beyond feeding, doing homework, and things like this. Is about a communication. The human being is made to communicate and socialize with each other, and we need to do that better as parents. And I was guilty of this, but the two, the the simple formula that I've come down with for parents to use as a foundation to improve this communication is ask each child two questions don't do it in such an interrogative way do it in a very casual conversation really what the two questions is and this is in order what bad thing happened to you today The bad thing is the thing that the child's going to be most troubled by. The reason why is most of us, we think about the bad things that happened to us today, and we tend to, I would say, obsess on that. So let the child get that off their their plate with you. The key question after that is, what good thing happened to you? And the reason why that's the important question is, because remember I talked about the phases of courtship and the seduction phase. The seduction phase is when they get the child to be silent to you. They tell the child they need to be silent, not tell you anything. Where this courtship phase, it's more of an open communication. That's when the child is going to openly tell you, coach so-and-so is paying extra attention to me, or or this teacher, or the uncle, or the neighbor down the street. They're making me feel, who's making you feel really good about yourself? Now, this is a good thing. We want our adults in our children's lives to help encourage them to be better, but listen to the child, listen to what they're telling you about this person. And that's the person you want to key in on, not because they're doing anything wrong, but you want to make sure that what they're doing is with good intentions, with mm-hmm. proper intentions. Right. And remember, that's when you start to communicate with that person and, and just kind of just see what's going on with them and see their intentions. Because when they start to tell you, they think it would be wise if they had some alone time with your child. That's the thing you've got to be concerned about. Right. So those are the two key questions. Open up and listen. Listen to your child. That's the key.
1: Tell us what you mean, uh, and you had a nonprofit organization with this name for a while, Millstone Justice.
0: Millstone Justice comes from, you know, the the, uh, scripture in the Bible where Jesus sits down and basically holds a child on his knee and basically says, anybody that comes between him or this child... Uh, prevents them from coming to him, it would be better that a millstone be wrapped around their neck and they're thrown into the deep sea. That basically is, I would say, the foundation of my whole thought process when it comes to offending a child. You know, you might as well put a a millstone around your neck because you're going to go to the deep sea. If you don't I would say, reconcile for your sins and, and own up to them. And believe it or not, I've used that terminology in uh, interviews of these uh, subjects. And I've asked them if they were familiar with this uh, type of uh, scripture. and uh, it's it's kind of interesting some of the responses I would get.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, I, I remember reading about that in your um, in your book. Um, tell us how to get your book, Seducers Among Our Children.
0: Well, you can get it, I believe, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, You can put the title in or just my name. Um, The uh, Lighthouse Trails is a wonderful publisher uh, dedicated to this type of uh, issue and many other issues facing uh, anybody that follows Christ. Um, so, but, but it's pretty easy. You know, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, or you can go directly to Lighthouse Publishing and they'll accommodate you. They have some, uh, I I believe some great deals there as well.
1: Yes. Patrick's last name is Crow and it's C-R-O-U-G-H. So I just thank you and ask my listeners to pray for you. Uh, and what you're doing and we will have another show with you on sex trafficking very soon and uh, I know people are going to be fascinated by that you have such a wealth of experience to share with us so God bless you Patrick and thanks so much for coming on our show today it's been an honor Linda thank you thank you friends this is a tough subject but we we must be vigilant in today's climate so do not give up hope in any case however just remember that with God